Lord, my strength, my fortress, my stronghold forever, rock of salvation, my only foundation, while the world all around me moves on. I love you, O oh Lord, my strength, my fortress, my stronghold forever, rock of salvation, my only foundation. I trust in your holy name, O Lord. I trust in your holy name. Yes, I trust in your holy name, O Yes, I trust in your holy name. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord. My strength, I love you, Lord. My strength, I love you, Lord. You're my strength, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. Love you, Lord. You're my strength. I love you, Lord. You're my fighting some allergies, so my voice is nasally. I apologize. Just bear with me. I'll do my best not to stifle my nose just for you, Kaylee. So a few weeks ago when Mom and Dad had ditched us and went to South Carolina, I got the privilege to teach. Uh, and I was teaching on um, Esther and the Book of Esther and our calling. And I kind of want to review uh, real briefly, what I went over a few weeks ago, just because I know some of us were missing, and um, it's been a few weeks. So I talked about how early or late last July, I was working up by Randolph by myself, and it was lunchtime, and I'd closed my eyes just to rest, and 
I got, God spoke the word to me out of absolutely nowhere. He spoke the word created for such a time as this. And it really encouraged me because I'd been praying about my future and about my place and what he wanted me to do, where he wanted me to go and all that. And so I started reading through Esther. I actually went home that night and opened up my devotional. And the title of the devotional for that night was Created for Such a Time as This with Esther 4.14. So God was confirming that word, not just for me, not that I was just created for this time, but that each and every one of you were created for this time and that each and every one of you have a purpose in place uh, right now. So I began to study out Esther and kind of come into, came into a lot of realizations of how many keys to your calling there is uh, that we can get from the book of Esther. So really quick, I just want to briefly go through uh, um, over over, do a brief overview of Esther, excuse me. So, in starting out in the book of Esther, King Xerxes has just dethroned her queen, his queen, and he was looking for a new one. So they were having a beauty contest pretty much in the area with all the young, beautiful women in the area, and Esther was one of them. And it says that she was lovely and she was beautiful, and immediately she obtained favor with King Xerxes. Uh, before Esther could go and be made queen, though, she had to go through a year of preparations. She had to go through six months of being anointed with oil and another six months of being prepared with uh, beautifications and things of that nature. Well, she'd went through that process. She went before the king. She obtained uh, favor immediately, and she was made queen. At the same time, Mordecai, who had raised her, who was uh, her cousin, had become a palace official. And during that time, too, Haman, who was at evil, wicked ruler had been promoted by King Xerxes. Um, all the people would bow down, would worship uh, Haman whenever he came and made his appearance, but, but uh, not Mordecai. Mordecai had that righteous rebellion that he wouldn't bow down uh, and worship a wicked and evil man. So this made Haman obviously very angry, and he set out a plan to eradicate the entire Jewish race. When the Jewish people found out about this, they all were weeping and mourning. Mordecai was going to uh, Esther um, to help encourage her to deliver the, the Jewish people because of uh, the place that she'd gotten into as a queen. So he, he goes to uh, Esther, and Esther is telling Mordecai that if she goes in without being called by the king, she could be killed. Well, there in Esther 4.14... Uh, Mordecai is telling her, you know, even if you don't, you and your family will die, but deliverance will arise for the Jewish people from somewhere else. Uh, but who knows if you were created for such a time as this. So she was, he was encouraging her that, yes, she was put into this place as queen for a purpose to deliver the people of the Jewish race, which she ended up doing. She delivered the people, um, and... And ultimately, Haman ended up being hung for his actions and his entire family as well. So there are some important things and keys that we can get out of this, out of the book of Esther, regarding our call. Uh, number one, I said God uses ordinary people and he gives them gifts. So Esther was just an ordinary girl. She wasn't trying to be queen. She wasn't trying to look for fame or get propped up on a platform or something like that. She was just an ordinary girl. But the Bible also says she had gifts, right? She was beautiful. She was lovely. Um, and she was bold and courageous. And those gifts helped give her favor uh, with the king. So 
each and every single one of you have God-given gifts that are directly related to your calling. And if you don't know what those gifts are, you need to cry out to God and discover those gifts because, like I said, they're directly related to your calling and they will help you accomplish what God wants you to accomplish in this life. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Proverbs 22:29 says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Had it not been for Esther's gift, she wouldn't have obtained favor from King Xerxes and be made queen. So discover your gifts, cry out to God, find your gifts, um, and ask God to reveal to you how he wants you to use those gifts. Number two, to step into your calling, you have to go through a season of preparations. So before Esther could be made queen, she had to be anointed with oil for six months. Just like Dad's been preaching on, you have to be anointed before you can step into your call, right? So she had to be anointed with oil, and then she had to go through another six months of preparations. God, throughout the entire Bible, uh, took men and women of God through seasons of waiting and seasons of preparations before they entered into their calling, Because in that season is where God uh, matures you, he prepares you, um, and he fills you with wisdom and knowledge and patience that you need when you operate in your call. So this can be a very frustrating time uh, in your season of waiting. I feel like I've been in a season of waiting for a very long time regarding some things. I know many of us all have. It can be frustrating, but you just need to rest assured that God is maturing you, he's preparing you, and he's building that perfect patience in you that you need. So be encouraged if you're in a seasonal waiting and preparation, that means more than likely you're soon to step into your calling. Number three, to step into your calling, you need mentors and leaders who will help guide you, and you have to be teachable. This is really important. Esther 2.10 and uh, verses 19 and 20, Esther had taken the advice of Mordecai not to reveal her nationality, not to reveal that she was a Jew. Had she done that, had she gone in before the king and the palace officials and told them all that she was a Jew, well, as soon as Haman had revealed that plot to kill the Jewish race, she would have probably been killed or been arrested, and she would have not been able to deliver the people uh, of Persia, that area. Um, So being teachable is really important. Also, before she went into the king to present herself, Uh, to be made queen, after she had gone through that season of preparations, she took the advice of her advisors, her beautification advisors, on what to wear and what to do when she went in before the king. And because of that, she gained favor. So being teachable means you have the mindset of a lifelong learner. You're willing to learn from anyone, especially your leaders. It's foundational to spiritual growth and character development. Don't expect to grow spiritually if you're not teachable and you you don't allow yourself to uh, listen to your mentors and leaders and advisors. Um, Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. So if you try to step into your call without mentors and leaders to advise you, you try to make big plans on your own, those plans are going to get screwed up and they're not going to go the way that you think. You need those mentors and leaders in your life to help lead you and guide you. Amen? Okay. Getting into step, or point number four, I should say. I probably should have made this point number one, but nonetheless, it's still a point. To step into your calling, first and foremost, you just need to know the simple fact that you are called, that you have a calling. You need to acknowledge that and know that and what God 
says about you and your calling. If you're wondering if God has a call on your life or not, I can answer that right now for you. He does have a call on your life. You do have a calling. There's a reason why God created you for this specific time in this generation. If you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, you don't have to wonder if you're called or if you have a purpose because the Bible says you are. First Peter 2, 2 nine says you are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So he has chosen you for this time. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says... Um, Oh, actually, if you want to turn there, go ahead and open up and turn there. I'm kind of going fast, if you can tell I'm talking fast, because I'm trying to get through some stuff here. i got quite a bit. But Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Let's see if I can find it. Starting in verse 8, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So before time even began, he had given you a purpose and a plan. He had called you. He has, called, he has saved us and he has called us with a holy calling. So what is that holy calling? Well, part of that holy calling is to live holy lives, to be the light of the world, to let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and they may glorify God. Part of that holy calling is preaching the gospel, evangelizing to the lost and to the hurting around us. How can we be the light of the world, though, and let our light shine into the dark if we have one foot in light and one foot still living in darkness? How can we be a light to the world if we're still acting like the world and still talking like the world? So to step into and operate in our calling, we have to live pure and holy lives. We have to be examples of Christ wherever we go. And I'm not up here telling you I'm perfect. I'm far from perfect. I have plenty of my own struggles and things like everyone else. But we're in a season of repentance, so we cannot afford to go back to living and acting as the world does. We cannot afford to go back to being comfortable in our sins. I think a, a lot of times through the years, Christians have gotten really good at finding excuses to dismiss their sins, and eventually that just leads to being comfortable in your sins. There was a time in my life where I became very comfortable in my sins when I was younger in high school and college. You know, I was convicted and I'd repent of my sins, but I got to a point where I was really comfortable. And I don't want to go back to that, and I don't want any of us to go back to that because we're in a new season, and we're in a season of repentance. I know I believe the majority of the nation is the way it is now because the church let the fear of the Lord go so many years ago. For the last 20 years, we've lost the fear of the Lord. The church and Christians became so comfortable with their sins, and much of the church taught the grace message so much that everyone just started abusing God's grace. We can't go back to that. We have to repent, and we have to return to a true fear of the Lord and live pure and holy lives. So Hebrews 12:14 says, "Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, <clears throat> without holiness, no one will see the Lord." Second Corinthians 7:1 says, "Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence of God." <coughs> Excuse me. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17.
Ephesians 4, verse 17. Starting in 17, I'm going to read these next few verses here. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling has given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have not learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the older man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So we need to live a life in true righteousness and holiness. Um, Something I want to keep in mind, though, is that when you pursue living holy and you pursue righteousness, and you pursue becoming more like Jesus and less like yourself, it can be very easy to get into legalism. And I have to lay my pride aside and admit that this is something I've been struggling with, with to a degree. You know, you overcome a sin or something you've been struggling with for so long, and you pursue becoming more like Jesus, and that's your heart cry, Lord, I want to become more like you and less like myself. And that's a good thing, and we need to do that. But it can be very, very easy to start going after perfection. And as you're pursuing becoming like Jesus, you you have to understand that you can't be perfect, and you will never be perfect until, until we're united again with Christ. So that's just something I want you to keep in mind, but we need to live pure and holy lives. We're born-again, spirit-filled Christians. It's time to not just talk about being born-again Christians, but start acting and living like born-again Christians, if we want to step into our calling. So he's called you. He's called you with a holy calling. More on that holy calling. I believe that holy calling for this generation is to prepare the way for the return of our Lord. I think we're kind of like a representation of John the Baptist. He prepared the way for the first coming of Jesus, and we're called to prepare the way for his return. How can we prepare the way for the Lord? Well, Mark chapter 16, um, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we're called to go into the world to preach the gospel. You are called to go into every realm of the world you live in to preach the gospel, to witness to unbelievers, to pray for the sick, to cast out demons. You are called to go into the political office. You're called to go take the gospel into business. You're called to take gospel in the media and into music. You're called to take the gospel into education and into our school systems. That is your holy, holy calling. If we want to save this nation, if we want to prepare the way for the Lord, we have to take the gospel into every realm of influence that we're living in. <clears throat> Which brings me to my fifth point. My fifth point about stepping into your calling is that if you want to step into your calling and operate in it, in taking the gospel into all the world, you have to know who you are in Christ, and you have to know the authority that he has given you. I know as charismatic full gospel believers, this is pretty easy for most of us. We have been raised on this. We have a good understanding of it. But it's so important. Because in the day and age we're living in, there are so many deceptions around us. That's that number one sign of the end times, like Brad had mentioned a few weeks ago, is deception. Deception is one of the main signs of the end times. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you're not rooted and grounded in the Word, it can be very easy 
to get into doubt and into unbelief and become deceived. When you step in and begin operating in your call, there's going to be plenty of haters, doubters, and naysayers. And you know Satan's going to be right there in your ear filling you full of doubt and unbelief and lies. So you have to know who you are. I just I know for a fact that when this church begins to see revival and we're seeing miracles break out, sick and uh, hurting people are being miraculous healed, miraculously healed. Multitudes are giving their lives to Jesus. People getting filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit operating. You know there's going to be plenty of haters and naysayers uh, who are going to attack us, call us cult, going to call us all these different things. And if you don't know who you are, who you are in Christ, and you don't know your authority when you're operating in your call, you'll slowly and surely over time start listening to those words they're saying. And if you don't guard your heart and you're not rooted in the Word, you'll begin to believe them. So you have to know who you are in Christ. I can remember, out of all the messages Dad has preached, and I've heard him preach through the years, one of the ones I remember the most was in 2019. It was around the time of the flood, and it was on who you are in Christ uh, and understanding your authority in Christ. And that, that message really, really impacted me and helped me in a lot of ways. And I began daily confessing those scriptures on who I am in Christ and the authority he has given me. I believe, like I said, it's one of the most important things to understand as a believer because without it, you're, uh, without that understanding, it's going to be easy for the enemy. It's going to be easy for Satan to walk all over you. So, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the grave is the same spirit that lives in you. You need to meditate on those words. You need to chew on them. You have authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and your name is written in heaven. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of of your testimony. On and on. I could go on, right? But that's who God says you are. And you have to confess it. You have to believe it. And when you confess and believe those scriptures and those words on who you are in Christ, your faith is going to be strengthened. Your faith is going to grow. And and you need that to operate in your calling. So I meant to bring it. But a few months ago, Dad handed out uh, a sheet from Joyce Meyer. It's like three pages long. And it's full of those scriptures on who you are in Christ. I would encourage you, if you don't have one of those, get those and read those and confess those every day. I wake up in the morning, I might just take a page of those scriptures and just read them out loud and pray them and put my name in them and my family's name, and it really, really helps. So you have to know who you are in Christ. Let's see, I'm doing good on time. Okay, I can get to my third point without getting yelled at. This is a longer point, though, so hopefully I can get through it. Okay. So you need to know that you're called. You need to know your authority and who you are in Christ. And number six, to discover your call and to operate in it, you need to take time to spend in God's presence every single day. And you need to learn how to recognize His voice. A few weeks ago I read Acts 4.13 where the religious rulers and elders of Israel marveled at the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. They were uneducated and untrained, yet the rulers marveled at them. Why is that? It's because it says they realized that they had been with Jesus. They had spent time in the presence of Jesus, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spent time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to operate in your call, and you want to 
you want to be an influence to those who are around you, you need to spend time in the presence of Jesus. Because when you spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you, become to, you begin to become more like Him, and you take His presence wherever you go. And that will impact the people around you. And they will see that, and they will sense that, and they will hunger for it and thirst for it. The more time you spend in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the more transformed you will become to His likeness and His image. The more you're in His presence, the more you'll become like Him. The more you're in His presence, you will learn His likes and His dislikes. You'll learn to begin to learn what He loves, and uh, you'll begin to love what He loves and hate what He hates. So the Holy Spirit, I think a lot of people and a lot of Christians just think the Holy Spirit is some thing. He's not just some mystical thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, and He has feelings just like us. He has likes, He has dislikes. And he's, as you begin to spend time in His presence, you begin to love what He loves. You begin to hate the sins that He hates and those things that, uh, that He doesn't like. The more you spend time in the Holy Spirit's presence, the more you'll begin to learn how to recognize His voice. That's where learning how to recognize His voice comes from, is by spending time in His presence. Being able to hear His voice and recognize His voice is a key to knowing His calling for your life. The Holy Spirit is our leader and guide. He's our helper. So if you never spend time in His presence, it's going to be very difficult to know what He's calling you to do and to know the directions He wants you to go. Ultimately, I cannot teach you how to hear His voice, how to recognize His voice. You have to learn for yourself. But understand hearing God and recognizing His voice isn't a skill, it's a sense. And I learned this from David Hernandez. It's a skill. It's not a skill, it's a sense. When you are born, you're born with physical senses, sight, smell, hearing, all those different things. The same thing, we have the same thing uh, when we become born again. We're given spiritual senses. We can hear and see spiritually uh, those revelations from heaven. And so you cannot, you cannot teach a baby how to hear or to see, but you can help them become more aware of their senses. You can help them um, operate their senses correctly or properly. Does that make sense? So understand it's not a skill, but it's a sense. Um, and and what, I, I, what I want you to get is that you begin to recognize his voice by the amount of time you spend in his presence. So I have an example. How many of you have been to Shields in Omaha at all? Everybody? Everybody has, right? So you know probably how absolutely insanely swamped that place can be from time to time. So it, it, I swear it doesn't matter like what day, what season you go, it's just packed shoulder to shoulder. So I have an example. You're going to go to uh, Shields with your family. Let's say it's the Saturday before Christmas, so it's going to be swamped just shoulder to shoulder, right? And you walk into Shields, and if you're like me, like usually I'm a protector. Like I, I want to protect my family, but the second I walk in, it's like you're on your own. I'm going up to the guns into the hunting section, and that's it. So let's say you're, you go to Shields, you're with your wife and kids, you split up, and you're like me, you go up to the hunting section or the sports section. You're spending time shopping, an hour goes by, and all of a sudden as you're standing in an aisle, you know, there's hundreds of voices around you. But among all those voices, you hear a, a voice and you recognize it immediately. And that voice is the voice of your wife. You didn't hear her say your kid's name or call out your name, 
but above all these hundreds of voices, you were able to recognize her voice. Why is that? Why were you able to recognize your significant other's voice so easily? Yeah. Yeah, if you come from the Bernstra family, it's probably a little louder, but... (laughs) Yeah, like that's it. It's because you've spent time in your presence. You've spent years and years and years of time with her, and you know her voice, and you know her and how she sounds. So, learning how to recognize God's voice comes by spending time in His presence. And it's not just the manifested presence. You know, a lot of times I think about the presence of God. I think this is for me as much as it is anyone. I think of the presence of God. I just think about the manifested, tangible presence that we all love, you know, that I love so much and I can't get enough of. But you have to understand that just spending time in His Word is spending time in His presence. Spending time in prayer is spending time in His presence. Spending time in worship is is spending time in His presence. Even if you don't feel the tangible presence of God, you're still in the Holy Spirit's presence. We walk by faith, not by sight. So even if you don't feel His presence, you need to know and understand that He is with you. So if you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, you have the ability to hear His voice, and you're already hearing His voice. John 10:27 says, Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. So you know his voice, you just need to learn how to recognize it. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, And your ear shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. So you can see how important that is regarding your call and God's assignments for your life, is being able to hear his voice. Jeremiah 33 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So you need to know how to recognize God's voice. But there's a ton of different voices around us. So don't expect to hear God's voice if you're spending more time listening to the hundreds of other voices around you. From the secular, from media, from television, from news, from social media. All these different voices can distract you and keep you from hearing God's voice. So there's three things I want to go over regarding hearing or recognizing God's voice. I am citing my source here. I I learned these from David Hernandez, but they're really, really good. So, there's all kinds of different voices around us. But the three main voices that speak to you, number one is satanic. So there are satanic voices. Satan will try to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, it always directly contradicts the Word of God. Okay, then there's the voices from the secular. So number two is secular voices. Those contradict the nature of God. Those are the voices from media, from social media, from Hollywood, from TV, all the different voices around us that aren't from God. Typically, those secular voices are demonically influenced, especially, you know, as we're seeing today with everything going on. And the third voice is the voice of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. He always speaks in harmony with the Word and with the nature of God. To recognize God's voice, you just need to silence all the other voices around you. So how do you silence these other voices? To recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Well, number one, to silence these voices, you need to spend time in the Word. This is the number one most important thing. Spend time in the Word. Being in the Word familiarizes yourself with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number two, silence and stillness. This can be really, really difficult in the modern age. Silence is putting away of the outer distractions. So all the different things that can distract us during the day, 
from people, from activities, from your job, from the phones that distract us so easily. Everyone is so engrossed with their phones, and I have to say that is also one of my bad habits is scrolling through social media. So I have to learn how to shut that off when I want to go into the presence of God. Leave it in another room. Turn off the TV. Turn off the computer. All these other distractions. If you have to, and your family's all in the house, and they're being loud and disruptive and annoying, just tell them, hey, yeah, that's me. Tell them, hey, I got to respectfully, I need to go spend some time alone with God and be with God. So go into your quiet prayer closet. If you have to, tell your family, you know, leave me alone for a while. Okay, so uh, silence, that's the putting away out of distraction. Um, really quick here, let me find this scripture. Matthew 6 6. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So when you go to pray, and when you go to spend time in God's presence, go into that secret place, go into your room, shut it behind you, put all the other distractions away. Okay, then there's stillness. Stillness is the quieting of your soul. This is much more difficult than silence and putting away outer distractions. So stillness is the quieting in your soul. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Like I said, it's much more difficult to to quiet your mind down because we have all these different things going on. We have the internal chatter, the chaos, the guilt, the worry of future, the confusion, all these thoughts about our family and of our work. And if you're like me, I'm sure most of you have noticed, the second you go to pray or spend time in the Word, it's like you're just absolutely bombarded with all of these thoughts and all of these worries and uh, concerns and confusion and all of this. And if you don't take care of that, it's going to be very difficult to get into that quiet place with God to where you can recognize His voice. It's in the stillness. Um, So if you want to bring stillness to your soul worship him I've, I've found myself this is the best way to shut my mind down is to just worship him just praise him tell him how much you love him tell him what you're thankful for tell him how great of a God he is and all the different things of what makes God so great just worship him sing a song to him sing a psalm to him read a psalm meditate on his word those things are the things that will quiet your mind down quiet your soul down so that you can continue to enter into his presence it's in the stillness. In the stillness is where the flesh begins to die. I like that. Number three. Last one. I'm almost done. Number three is obedience. So really quick. When you walk in obedience um, to the voice of the Holy Spirit, there is perfect clarity. So when you're living a life of obedience, you will be able to hear Him clearly. Okay, Psalms 37:23. Really quick. You can turn there if you want. I should have had this marked out. Psalm 37.3 Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. 37.23 I'm sorry. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. 
Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So the steps of the of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Uh, so you need to walk in obedience uh, every day. You need to pursue obeying him and his word. Obey the written word of God, and the spoken word to your heart will become more clear. Disobedience makes it difficult to hear him. Don't expect God to speak to you if you haven't done what he's already told you to do. He will speak to you, and he will not speak again until you have obeyed what he's already spoken. So don't expect to hear step five of, of from him if you haven't obeyed and done step one. So to recognize his voice, number one, spend time in his word. Number two, get into that silence and stillness. Put the distractions away. Still your mind by worshiping him, by spending time in the word. And number three, live in obedience, and that will help you um, clearly hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So that is what I have for the night. Uh, number one, to operate in your calling, you have to know that you're called. And he has called you, and the word of God says that you are called, and you have a calling, and you have a purpose uh, and a place in this world. Number two, you need to know your authority and know who you are in Christ because when you're operating in your calling, there's going to be plenty of haters, naysayers, and doubters, and you cannot allow them and the enemy to influence you and who you are. And number three, you need to spend time in God's presence every single day. If you're too busy for God, then you're too busy. You need to make time to spend time in in the presence of God, and you need to learn how to recognize His voice. So that's what I have for the night. Let's pray quick. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this night spent together in your word. We thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We thank you for your presence, Father. Your presence is wonderful. We love your presence. We love you, Holy Spirit, your presence and your anointing. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us, for leading us and guiding us and directing us in this life. Uh, Father, we thank you for your peace that guards our heart and mind. I thank you, Lord that you would reveal to the people of Harvest Church their calling. You would reveal them to them their gifts, Lord, and what you are calling them to do in this life, in this season, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the people of Harvest Church know who they are in Christ. They know the authority that they have given them, that you have given them, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I thank you that the people of Harvest Church know and recognize your voice because they spend time in your presence. The people of Harvest Church know the voice of the Good Shepherd and the voice of the stranger they shall not follow. So I thank you in the days ahead, Father, that you would prepare us, that you would mold us for our calling. And as we step into our calling, Lord, I thank you because we have taken the time to be prepared to be molded, Lord, that we will do as you lead us to do and we will operate in your calling so that you can receive all the honor and all the glory. Father, we praise you, we worship you, we thank you for this night spent in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.